morning to you and of course, uh, first of all, a happy new year, very happy new year to you all. It's great to see you all this morning. Missed, we've missed you over the last couple of weeks. Sorry we weren't able to be here. We weren't able to get hold of the school. Um, the last two weeks I have been praying and was excited about starting a new year in a new hall with new heating. Um, it will come. I'm starting to feel a little bit like Moses leading people through the wilderness for 40 years. Um, but uh, at least it was warm there. Um, it's not too bad today, is it? As I've said before, the, the solution is just get on the setup team and, uh, and then you will feel fine. Uh, my name's Neil. If you don't know, I, I'm married to the wonderful Kate. Kate sends her apologies. Uh, some of you will know she um, uh, went in and had a, a surgical procedure just before Christmas. Uh, over Christmas, that got infected. And so last Wednesday, she went in and had another surgical procedure. And so she's been signed off work for another couple of weeks. But uh, she sends her love and, um, and is appreciative of all of your prayers. So thank you for that. If you're new here or visiting, it's great to see you. Uh, we'd love to connect with you. So as Alice said, do go and find uh, Kerry and uh, Henry and Cedar or people with the little lanyards. And we'd love to help connect you with some part of the body of Christ, even if it's not here, wherever it is the Lord is calling to you, calling you to. So it is a new year. And uh, because it's a new year, perhaps a good place to start would be with a quote from G.K. Chesterton. Uh, Christian apologist, writer, philosopher, and he said this, the object of a new year is not that we should have a new year, it is that we should have a new soul and a new nose, new feet, a new backbone, new ears and new eyes. Unless a particular person made new year resolutions, they would make no resolutions. Unless a person starts afresh about things, they will certainly do nothing effective. So, with new souls, new noses, new feet, new ears and eyes as we start afresh on things, we wanted to spend this first Sunday of the new year sort of looking ahead, if you like, to all it is that the Lord has in store for us uh, as a church over the coming year. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 22, we'll start in verse 34. The words should come up miraculously behind me, thanks to our amazing... Laptop team, thank you very much. We're very, very grateful to you. This is Matthew uh, 22, starting in verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So here we find Jesus, he's being challenged once again by the religious leaders. And essentially what they're trying to do is they're trying to trick him. They're trying to trip him up. And in this encounter with him, what they're wanting to do, they're wanting to kind of push him to give like a definitive answer, you know, to what is the greatest commandment you know what's the most important what's the one thing that we should all be spending all of our time doing and Jesus answer very famously is very simply love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind 
This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, keep a finger in uh, Matthew 22 and then flip over a few pages to Matthew 28 and we'll start in verse 16. Uh, this is where this is uh, Jesus appearing to his disciples. It's after the resurrection. And uh, what he's doing is he's basically giving them his final instructions, if you like, as to what it is he's calling them to do. What it is he's calling them to give their attention to. This starts uh, like this in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, and surely I am with you even to the very end of the age." So, in these two passages from Matthew, we've got, we've got a summary, if you like, the, the essence, the bare, the bare bones of, firstly, who it is we've been called to be, on the one hand, and then what it is we've been called to do on the other. Who it is we've been called to be, and what it is we've been called to do on the other. And from Matthew 22, we see that we've been called to be a people who love the Lord our God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. And then coming out from that complete and utter love for God, our utter and complete devotion to God, stemming from that place of being in love with God flows, I believe, everything that we see in Matthew 28. All the things that we've been called to do as a result of our loving God. And that is, as you know, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded in the knowledge and the sure and certain knowledge that Jesus is with us even to the very end of the age. Loving God and loving others. That's essentially and effectively the mandate of Matthew 22 and Matthew 28. And, and that's still the mandate of the church some 2,000 years later. Loving God and loving others is still the fundamental calling and mandate of the church in 2024. This year, as G.K. Chesterton says, we are to embark on the new year afresh with our new noses and our new backbones and our new feet and our new ears and our new eyes. Essentially, whole new beings. We're to start afresh in loving God and loving others. And this is probably incredibly disappointing. <laughs> uh, but simple as it sounds, that's our vision for this church for 2024. Um, if you're wanting to get a sense of who it is God is calling us to be here at Southwest Lanavinia, this year, as in honesty, as it is every year, it is to be a people who love God and love others. And the reality of these uh, absolutely central, absolutely vital elements to the call of Jesus on our lives is, is that, as I've kind of said, one impacts the other. 
One flows out of the other. You see, the things that we see in Matthew 28, the doing, you know, the activity, the, the stuff, the stuff that we get to do, the stuff that we get to do of loving others, of going to make disciples, of baptizing them, of teaching them, effectively of, of loving our neighbors as ourselves, all of that stuff of doing only truly comes out of a place, of, first and foremost, of being. That place of being, all those things that we see in Matthew 22, being in love with the Lord our God and loving him with all our hearts, minds, and strength. Now, the trouble with all of this, if you're anything like me, and doing is, is something that we all quite like to do. Um, doing is, is, is much more easy to quantify. Uh, we've been trained in doing from a very early age. Uh, doing means that we can surprisingly make to-do lists, and then once we've made a to-do list, we can tick things off once they're done, which brings us all deep satisfaction and contentment and peace and all is well with the world. Being, however, is like a completely different kettle of fish. It's this sort of abstract, nebulous, out there concept. But as we turn our attention to the year ahead, as we look once again to all the things that God is calling us to, um, none of our activity, none of our doing will have very much effect or will bear any lasting fruit if it doesn't come first and foremost out of a place of just loving God and being loved by God. Uh, quite simply, the more we love God with all our heart, soul, and strength, the more we will naturally love our neighbors as ourselves. And loving our neighbors as ourselves looks very much, I think, like the stuff that we read in Matthew 28. And for want of a better way to describe this, I, I wonder, it's just a hypothesis for you to think about and pray about and decide whether it's heresy or not, um, I wonder if it comes down to two things. Uh, and the first, this, this idea of loving God, you know, from Matthew 22, I wonder whether that's something that we might call discipleship. And then the second thing, you know, this loving others stuff from Matthew 28, I wonder if that's something that we might call leadership. Um, and so perhaps we should start by looking at what we mean at these, uh, by these uh, two somewhat loaded terms, discipleship and leadership, uh, both of which now carry a pretty chunky amount of baggage in church circles. Um, and very simply, when I'm talking about discipleship or being a disciple, I think what I'm saying is I'm just merely talking about what we see in Matthew 22. And that is a disciple is someone who is learning to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and strength. And then when I'm talking about leadership or being a leader, I'm really only talking about the stuff that we see here in Matthew 28, which at its most basic is, you know, is first and foremost, being a disciple yourself, being a follower of Jesus yourself, um, learning to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and then helping other people in all the ways that God has naturally gifted you to become disciples for themselves. That, that's kind of it, I think. And then what happens, of course, is those people that you've helped to become 
uh, disciples themselves, uh, they, they then get baptized. They get baptized into the family of God and the life of the community of the church, this, this thing. And then as each one becomes transformed with ever-increasing glory into the image of Jesus, just like you have, they too begin to live lives that are fully surrendered to Jesus as they learn to obey him in all things in the knowledge that he will be with them even to the end of the age, just as he has been and is with you. Being a disciple isn't some strange, mystical, esoteric, um, only for the truly faithful or the super spiritual. We are all, every single one of us here in this room, we are all disciples of Jesus. That's a given. The question isn't whether we're disciples of Jesus or not. The question is, what kind of disciples are we? And in just the same way, being a leader isn't some strange, mystical, esoteric either, you know, only for the extroverted, command control type A personalities. Uh, far from it, in fact. You know, if you look at the trajectory and the direction the church is going, perhaps historically, that type of personality historically made what was perceived to be a good leader. As we uh, move into 2024, we're seeing those people make perhaps less good leaders than we thought they did. But my point is that we're all leaders. The question isn't whether we're leaders or not. The question is, what kind of leaders are we? And somehow, I think we've got to do the work of demystifying the ideas and the connotations of these words of discipleship and leadership and other things but that are making us reluctant to see ourselves as disciples, that are making us reluctant to see ourselves as leaders. And as we do that, as we kind of demystify some of the baggage and the stuff that goes with those words, maybe the fire of our relationship with God and maybe our, the fire of our relationship with others uh, might burst into flame again. And so, as we've been seeking the Lord uh, for what it is that he would have us turn our attention to as a church over this coming year, um, very simply, it, it's about being disciples and it's about being leaders. It's about being a people both individually and corporately who love the Lord our God with all of our heart and our soul and our strength. And it's about being a people both individually and corporately who love our neighbours as ourselves. So as Martin Luther said, we're all just uh, beggars. We're all mere beggars, showing other beggars where to find bread. That in itself is leadership. And uh, all we're doing is we're doing the best that we possibly can to help point people to Jesus so that they too can, be, can become disciples themselves. And then on and on and on it goes in and through uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. So, for the practically minded among us, what might any of this mean for all of us here at Southwest Sunday Vineyard over the coming weeks and months? Well, I, I wonder if a very good starting place for all of us might be to take some time. It's the beginning of a new year. It's a moment that we have. Uh, the year hasn't necessarily entirely warmed up yet. And so, uh, we may be able to find some time to ask ourselves just a couple of really simple questions. So working on the assumption that discipleship is at least in part what we see in Matthew 22 and leadership is again at least in part what we see in Matthew 28, 
as we embark on this new year with our new noses and our new feet and our new backbones and stuff, um, perhaps we should take some time, carve out some time this week over the next few days to ask ourselves the question, what kind of disciple am I? How am I loving God with all of my heart, soul and strength? And what can I do to change that? And then very simply do the same with leadership. What kind of a leader am I right now? And you know, some of us kind of resist. We sort of prickle. It's like, oh, no, I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. That's for other people. I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. We just kind of need to get over that. The question is like, you know, how am I helping others? Because we all help others. How are we loving others? Because we all love others. How are we helping and loving and serving others in such, a way, in such a way that helps them become disciples of Jesus for themselves? How am I helping others get baptized into the family and the community of God? How am I helping others live lives surrendered to Christ so that they, along with me, are learning to love and obey him with their whole lives in the knowledge that he is with us and with them even to the very end of the age? Uh, tomorrow morning, <laughs> uh, I, I, this is really an accountability thing, just to make sure that I actually go. But tomorrow morning, I'm setting off bright and early um, for, don't laugh, a, a week's silent <laughs> retreat. Please pray for me. Perhaps more importantly, pray for the other people that uh, will be silent on this retreat with. Uh, however, I'm going on this silent retreat. Uh, I should be staying at home nursing and caring for my dear wife, but she is, uh, after having nursed and cared for for the last three weeks, she is now determined and insistent that I go to Wales. <laughs> She's replacing me. Uh, our daughter is uh, not flying back to Italy yet, and so uh, she is taking over and will do a far better job than me. Anyway, I am off to um, Wales uh, for a silent retreat uh, to ask myself those very questions. And whilst you may not have a, a whole week, nor indeed may you wish to spend a whole week in silence, which is okay, by the way, like, you know, this, it's okay not to do that. Um, but you might want to find some time. You might want to find, you know, maybe 10 minutes or half an hour or an hour this week just to sit in God's presence and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about how's your discipleship? How's your leadership? Ask God, you know, how well am I loving you right now? How well am I loving others right now? And then see what the Spirit of God says. And then my suggestion, quite simply, would be just do whatever it is he tells you to do. I've always found that's the best way when engaging with the Lord. And what might that look like? Well, as far as discipleship goes, it's probably going to include some pretty basic things. And yes, I am very conscious that in an ideal world, we'd all be living out Romans 12, uh, verse 1, where Paul writes, Therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your whole lives, you know, uh, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. In an ideal world, we would all be living like Brother Lawrence when he wrote, the time of business, business does not differ with me from the time of prayer. 
And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are calling for different things, I possess God in as great a tranquility as if I were on my knees at the Blessed Sacrament. Yes, of course, we would uh, all long for Brother Lawrence's experience when he writes this. I have abandoned all particular forms of devotion, all prayer techniques. My only prayer practice is attention. I carry on an habitual silence and secret conversation with God that fills me with overwhelming joy. Meanwhile, back in the real world... (laughs) for mere mortals uh, like me. If you're anything like me, uh, the rest of us still need forms of devotion and prayer techniques. We still need uh, what Eugene Peterson, you'll have heard me say this before, possibly, still things that that Eugene Peterson uh, describes as these strategies by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of the Almighty those times and places that we assign for deliberate attentiveness to God because our self-importance is so insidiously relentless that if we don't deliberately interrupt ourselves regularly, we have no chance of attending to him at all at other times in other places. Would that I were a brother Lawrence. Uh, And who knows, after a week of silence, uh, perhaps I, I might be. I'm more likely to go a little mad, uh, but we can live in hope. But in the meantime, as God does his much-needed work of transformation on my soul, I will content myself with the rituals and the routines, those daily habits, these daily practices that force me to interrupt my insidiously relentless self-importance so that I can instead attend to the presence of the Almighty. And what are some of those practices? Well, they're things like um, spending time with God. Spending time with God in worship. Spending time with God in prayer. Spending time with God in his word. This thing. Do you see the common thread between all of those things? Is spending time. So I personally thank God that I can come to church week in, week out. I've missed being at church over the last couple of weeks. I've missed you lot. I've missed being and gathering as the community of faith. I'm glad that I can come to church week in, week out to worship God, to celebrate the Lord's Supper, to focus on the scriptures, to be in the presence of God, to be in the company of God's people to be ministered to and to minister to others to be filled again and again and again by the spirit of the living God so that I can go out from here with joy and be led forth with peace in the fullness and the power of his presence I'm glad of that I'm glad that this is etched into our calendar our diary every single week it interrupts me so that I can deliberately attend to the presence of the Almighty. And the same would be true for all the other opportunities that we have to do all of those things, like by being part of a weekly house group, or joining in with prayer months, or you know, through the daily morning prayer, the daily evening prayer online, or any of the other ways as a church community that we gather together, that we come together in whatever way to basically learn how to be disciples of Jesus. We learn how to be followers of Jesus. 
You know, the same would be true for spending time every single day, each day in his presence. However that may work best for each one of us. We're all at different life stages. And so we have to work it in a way that works for each one of us. But spending time each day, delighting in the law of the Lord, meditating on the scriptures day and night so that we are like trees planted by the streams of water who yield their fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither. See, because as a church, one of the things that we try to do, um, with more you know, degrees of success or, or not, one of the things we try to do is essentially to provide environments and encouragements for us to live the life of a disciple. That's sort of what we're trying to do here. And what I mean by that is that we try to create spaces um, or environments whereby we can grow in our relationship with God. And so we have things like Sunday, this is one of those environments. We have small groups, we have house groups, and prayer months, and, and daily morning prayer, and daily evening prayer, and all kinds of things. These are all examples of environments, for want of a better expression, word. And what we do, and what we try to do, um, is we try to encourage all of us to get involved. And uh, so you'll get emails from us, right? We'll send out emails and we'll put posts on social media or on Instagram, on Facebook or on um, X or Y or Z or whatever it's called today. Um, uh, we'll send you newsletters. Uh, and Hannah, you know, does an amazing job of making the website beautiful. You know, the website's been updated. It's just looking stunning. And all, these, all those things, you know, more, we're not just pestering you, not just harassing you and hassling you because we've got nothing better to do. All of these things and more are encouragements to get involved. But, and here's the but, the, the big but. The thing that we can't do, we can't create the engagement. We can't create the engagement. We can create the environment, we can, create the, we can give the encouragement, but only you can bring the engagement. That's up to you. And, and perhaps that's another question you might want to ask when spending time with God is, is how is my engagement? How engaged am I? And again, just to finish off with, just by way of another example of an environment that we would maybe want to encourage you to engage with, whereby we can learn to grow as disciples and leaders. Um, as part of our sense and the, the calling um, of the focus for this year, Kate and I are going to start, be starting a, um, a, a regular space, basically, over the coming year, um, and it's imaginatively going to be called Disciples and Leaders. <laughs> uh, and the, the plan with that is we want to just keep looking at these two important areas of discipleship and leadership. Uh, some of you may know Kim and Patrick ran a fantastic course last year called Leadership Essentials and did a great job. And we've been talking with some of the people um, who did Leadership Essentials about like, what, what should we do next? And, and our sense, having talked with everybody and, and, and prayed about it and stuff like that, is that this might be the next best step. So we'll give it a try. And if it doesn't work, then we'll try something else. But the aim is that we, together, all of us, uh, compress on the pedal of what it is that God is calling us to this year as we explore these ideas of discipleship and leadership together. And you'll be able to find all the details on the website, uh, but it, and it's, it's, it's under the sort of small group section. But we're, in essence, trying to create a space whereby just once a month, okay, just once, once a month, 
um, we'll gather together. We'll probably do it online just to make it as accessible and as easy for everybody as possible. We'll gather together just once a month to look at some of the things that we think it means to live out Matthew uh, 28 in the context of Southwest Anavina, how we love others. And so we'll be looking at things like um, vineyard values and the kingdom of God and compassion and serving the poor and justice, uh, ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we actually do this ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit thing? Your spiritual gifts. What's the place and the role of prophecy uh, in the church in this day and age? What about healing and deliverance and all those kind of other spiritual gifts that the Bible talks about, but we don't quite necessarily know what to do with them in the 21st century? Things like pastoral care, all sorts of other things, right? How do we love and serve others? What are some of the ways in which, here in the vineyard at least, we believe we've been called to love and serve those around us in light of Jesus' mandate from Matthew 28? And then alongside that, just to help keep us focused on the stuff of Matthew 22 and of being a disciple who loves the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength. We're going to be asking those of you who want to join us on this journey just to get together with two or three others. And uh, it could be friends of yours. Uh, and we're going to just encourage you to work through a book on discipleship together. Uh, and all of that means is that you'll set your own pace. You can read a chapter or a section or whatever it is. And then meet up together uh, whenever works best for you and however works best with you that could be a, you know over a coffee or down the pub or on a walk or on zoom or whatever it is again probably just once a month so this isn't like huge time commitments just to share your thoughts on discipleship and what being a disciple of Jesus means for you uh, right now and then to minister and pray for one another uh, now I need to finish as you probably know here in the vineyard we don't have a formal membership uh, we, you know, we've never got you to sign some kind of membership agreement or anything, as, as kind of happens in some churches. Here in the Vineyard, um, we don't have a formal membership. We're literally just a community of people who vote with their feet. They just, we just get involved. That's what membership is. It's about engagement. Um, that's what it means to be part of the life of the church here. And, and in practice, the way that we describe that is we say, you know, membership, being part of the church is, you know, doing this which we think is really important, actually, and coming regularly on a Sunday and making this gathering uh, a priority, um, being part of a small group, preferably a house group, you know, where we're looking at all five elements of worship, fellowship, teaching, ministry, and sending, and finding somewhere to serve. We just heard from Jocelyn, just this wonderful, glowing example to us all about how to serve the you know king jesus by serving the church in her case by serving these kids what a phenomenal example just a wonderful thing it's like jocelyn can do this like we can all we can all do this um and then lastly giving generously financially to the church so um the reason i mentioned that is if if you're doing all of those things you know so if you're here regularly on a sunday if you're in a house group if you're on a serving team somewhere and you're giving to, financially to the church i if you're a member of this church you know if you're part of this church then um we would love to invite you to join us as we spend more time thinking about what it means to fulfill the mandate of god's call in our lives uh, to love god and to love others to be disciples and to be leaders as together we work out what it looks like to be and to do all that the Lord has called us to and is calling us to in um, 2024. That is that. Why don't you stand? We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper.